uh, like I mentioned earlier, have been out of John for a couple of months now, but we are back in the Gospel of John. And uh, we, la our last sermon in John was on John 3.16. So I'm going to back up in reading a little bit, but I'm going to be focusing this week, picking up with verse 17 through 21. But I'll go ahead and read, starting in verse 14. But before we read that, let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you that we can come to you. Uh, we can come to hear from you. We can come to receive your grace, uh, the grace of Jesus through the scriptures and by the work of your spirit. And so we, we pray that as we draw near to you, to hear from you, you would draw near to us and pour out your spirit on us, that we would, uh, that we would hear what you have to say to us this morning. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. John 3, and I will begin reading in verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Light is good. Light is necessary for life on this planet. It is necessary for plants to grow, for food to eat. Or if you're a total carnivore, it is necessary for plants to grow for your food to eat. According to some, light is necessary for mental health. Light enables us to walk without stubbing our toes, to enjoy the beauty of a sunset or a work of art. Light is a good, but not for everyone or everything. Uh, some things grow better in the dark, like mold. In fact, light can stop the growth of mold, and even according to some sciencey websites, which I don't fully understand, they can actually put mold to death. Jesus is the true light, according to John, the light of life, the light of the world. As light, he comes to shine, to make known, to give life. But again, some things flourish in the dark. For them, the rising of the sun means judgment. Well, we've been out of the book of John for some time, so let me remind you of just one thing, which is the purpose of the book. And if you remember, in, in John chapter 20, verses, 31, verses 30 through 31, near the end of the book, John tells us why he wrote the book, which is really helpful when a writer just comes out and says, here's my point. John tells us this in John 20. He says, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book, but these are written 
so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John wants us to see Jesus, to believe in him, and find life in him. That's his goal, and of course, that's my goal. Uh, if you're here this morning and you don't believe in Jesus or you're, not, you're, you're unsure about who he is, I want to be straightforward, right? My heart's desire is that you would see Jesus, believe in him, and find life in his name. And so my exhortation to, to all of us this morning is this, come to the light. Come to the light because Jesus came to save. Come to the light because human agency matters and come to the light by walking in the light by the power of God. Or in other words, allow the love of Jesus to woo you to step into the light by walking in the light in the strength that God supplies. So first, come to the light because Jesus came to save. And allow the love of Jesus to woo you. Sadly, it's not always obvious when you look at the church or when you look at some Christians that Jesus came to save. Sometimes the church or individual Christians give the impression that Jesus came to condemn. At times, the majority of our speech and actions can be denouncing others, right? Denouncing movements, denouncing ideologies, denouncing people groups, denouncing individuals. Now, of course, the flip side of that is an implicit or sometimes explicit universalism in many churches, which we'll talk about in a moment, but one thing at a time. Uh, certainly, it seems that the churches that are most likely to make it into the news are those that are most condemning of others and who are unnuanced in their judgments. You might get the impression that Jesus came to condemn, that Jesus is hateful and a spiteful person who delights in telling others they are wrong and going to hell. Now, it's a caricature of the church, to be sure, but I think it, most of us know that it is a caricature that is not always far off the mark. When we see the caricature, we're not drawn to Jesus, but repelled by him. Well, what does John tell us about Jesus? Verse 17 he says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And let me just point out two things in that verse, that Jesus was sent to save. This language of sending into the world can be used of regular people going into the world for some purpose. So Jesus himself will draw the analogy later in the Gospel of John between his work and the church's work. He does this in John 17, 18. He says, as you, the Father, sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. But in John's gospel, it's clear that Jesus was with the Father from the beginning, before the creation of the world, and that he enjoyed glory with the Father before the world existed. And so Jesus was sent from the Father in heaven into this physical world. He was with God, and he was God, and he is God, become man. His being sent was the, the incarnation, the enfleshment of God in the person of Jesus. The Father sent his Son into the world. And the Father sending, of course, immediately implies, as, as will be said, that, that Jesus was sent for a purpose. Whether you send someone to the grocery store or you send them as an emissary to foreign soil, right? When you send someone, you send them to a place for a purpose. And Jesus coming into the world was intentional. God has a plan. 
What was that plan? Why did the Father send his Son? Jesus was sent to save. Uh, But notice first that John actually tells us why God did not send his Son. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world. The purpose of Jesus' coming was not condemnation. The focus of Jesus' work was not our judgment and punishment. Jesus was sent into the world that the world might be saved through him. Now, of course, the very idea of saving implies that there's something to be saved from. Uh, John the Baptist told us earlier in this book that Jesus was the Lamb of God, come to take away the sin of the world. And here it is clear that condemnation is a reality apart from Jesus' coming. So so what did Jesus come to save us from? Our sin and its condemnation. The Bible teaches that all have sinned, not a select few, not the really bad guys, not one tribe in society, but all, and that all face condemnation. But Jesus will say later in John that he came, he came that we may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus came as the Lamb of God to bear sin in our place that we might find not condemnation, but forgiveness. Not death, but life in Him. The Father sent the Son to save. And this is at the heart of who God is. It is at the heart of who Christ is. It is at the heart of why Christ came and what Christ did. And Jesus says elsewhere that He came to seek and to save the lost. That he came not for the righteous, but to call sinners to repentance, and so to new life in him. And of course, it was at great cost to him. Jesus would not have to come into the world. He, He didn't have to experience human limitations and suffering and rejection and abandonment and betrayal and death. But he did. And he did that out of love for us. Because Jesus came to save So come to the light, right? Come to Jesus because Jesus came to save. He and his work are for sinners, to save sinners. Come to the light. Come to Jesus. Second, come to the light because human agency matters. You've got to come to the light by stepping into the light. The Christianity of some is so condemnatory that the mission of Jesus is lost. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. But others believe in a Jesus who saves everyone. Uh, This idea is known as universalism. This is the idea that the work of Christ saves every person on the earth ever. And you can see why this would be a popular idea. If Jesus saves everyone, then our message is simple. It's easy. In fact, our message is almost irrelevant because it ultimately doesn't matter what people believe. They are saved whether they like it or not. Christians have no real need then to to go into the world and make disciples. Non-Christians have only very little motivation to convert to Christianity. If God loves me just the way I am and I'm going to heaven when I die, I might as well live as I please. Christians are then saved from having to share the bad news that naturally or logically precedes the good news. Universalism is taught openly by by Unitarian Universalist churches. It's also taught by many other churches today. And while we want to affirm strongly that Jesus came to save, that his mission was not to condemn the world but to bear sin in order that the world might be saved through him, while we delight to affirm that, that doesn't mean that all are saved. Oddly enough, what such churches deny is the value of human agency. 
Uh, Just look at the next three verses, verses 18 through 20. We read this. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. Whoever believes in Jesus, John tells us, is not condemned. This is the main point of John's gospel we've already seen. He wants us to believe that Jesus is the Christ and by believing have life in his name. As Paul put it in Acts 16.31, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Somehow, in the wisdom of God, belief connects us to Jesus. We are united to Christ through faith. And it's not simply the way that that any group of people ideologically defined is united through a common idea or a common ideology. No, somehow the Holy Spirit mysteriously and mystically unites us to Christ through faith. Faith is like spiritual superglue, which the Holy Spirit uses to join us to Jesus. And when we are joined to Christ, we are not condemned. Christ was condemned in our place on the cross. He he has borne our sin, which means when we are united to him, he receives our sin and condemnation, and we receive his righteous verdict. In theological speak, we are justified, declared righteous through faith in Christ. But not all believe. Jesus said, or John says, whoever does not believe is condemned already. Why condemned? John says they are condemned because they do not believe. Now, now that's actually still a little bit ambiguous because here's my question from that. Are they condemned prior to their unbelief? And by not believing, they simply are not saved from that pre-existing condemnation. Or are they condemned based on the fact that they do not believe? So the condemnation did not exist prior to their not believing. And the answer, if you're following, I think, is yes. Uh, This is how John explains it in verses 19 through 20. He says, this is the judgment, meaning this is the reason they are judged in this way. The light, Jesus, has come into the world, but people rejected the light, rejected Jesus. Why did they reject Jesus? Because they loved the darkness rather than the light. Why did they love the darkness rather than the light? Because their works, John says, were evil. Well, why does having evil works cause you to prefer the darkness? Because, verse 20, everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. See, the picture is this. If I do bad things, I want to keep them hidden. I don't want those bad things brought to light. I want them kept hidden in the dark. But coming to Jesus is coming to the light. So if I do bad things, I prefer to stay away from Jesus. Which means if I stay away from Jesus, I am condemned already. Why? Because my works are evil. That's why I'm avoiding him. And avoiding Jesus is both the evidence of and the latest installment of those evil works. Now you might say, okay, that's fine, but, but my works aren't evil, right? That's a pretty strong word, evil. I'm a pretty good guy after all. And while I won't argue right now that you're not a nice guy or a nice gal, uh, maybe by the standards of this age, that's very true. I, I don't know. But I also believe that deep down, 
we all know that we fall short. And our very denial of that is the way we stay in the dark. It's the way that we hide. You see, many people today are happy for the whole world to know their sin. Right? They post it on Facebook and Instagram for everyone to see. How can it possibly be said that they are staying in the dark? Because while their sin might be plastered all over social media, in the very posting, they are actually denying the sinfulness of their sin. Right? We cover over our sin with statements like, I can do whatever I want to do, and I can be whoever I want to be. See, we justify our behavior so as to avoid the light and the exposure that comes with that that says our behavior is sinful. We are condemned because we're not willing to come to the light and be honest about our actions. We're not willing to be honest about them because our works are evil. And here's what all this means. God does not drag anyone into his kingdom unwillingly. Uh, C.S. Lewis called himself the most reluctant convert, and Rosaria Butterfield called herself an unlikely convert, and the Apostle Paul himself was an improbable and unexpected convert as a persecutor of the church. But the truth is, none of them were ultimately unwilling. God gave them life, and they came. It's like if someone drowns, you can't, you can't cause them to breathe unwillingly, but you, you perform CPR, you breathe into their lungs, and having breathed into them, they then exhale on their own, right? Their, their drowned body may be resistant, but once you give them new life, everything from there is under their own power. God breathes life into us by his spirit, and we then believe out of the new life that he has given us. If you would be saved from condemnation and receive the life that Jesus offers, you must believe in his name. What you do here matters. Uh, There's mystery here, no doubt. Uh, uh, You you may know of of two preachers from yesteryear, Dr. Barnhouse and Dr. Boyce, and they used to use this illustration that that they said, picture a a cross with a door in the center, and above the door it says, whoever will may come, from John 3.16. And if you walk through that door and turn around, the sign on the other side of the door says, chosen from the foundation of the world. Right? It's mysterious how it all works. It's mysterious and it's wonderful. But right now, you might find yourself on the outside of that door. Right? You have not yet believed in Christ. What you do in this moment matters. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Come to the light because Jesus came to save. And what you do matters. Finally, come to the light by walking in the light by the power of God. Those whose works are evil, John says, are afraid to come to the light, lest their works be seen for what they are. You know, I don't want the world knowing my dirty laundry, so we hide it in the dark. Now, there is tragedy in that because we're afraid to come to the light lest our sin be exposed, but it's the act of coming into the light that is the very thing that kills sin. You know, mold grows in the dark. Bring it into the light and it will ultimately die. You can imagine someone who has some trophy or trinket from his youth and something he's proud of, but it gets some mold on it from sitting out so long and he doesn't want people to see the mold, so what does he do? He tucks it away in his closet where the mold only grows and grows. Mold grows in the dark. 
bring it into the light of the sun, and it will ultimately die. Here's how John's first epistle puts it in, in 1 John 1. He says, This is the message you have heard, we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we want our sins removed, the, the, the mold over our heart scrubbed clean, we must bring it into the light. John talks about it in verse 21 as, as doing the truth. Now, that's kind of a weird phrase, doing the truth, but it's probably building off a Hebrew idiom, walking in the truth. Uh, the idea is that we must live in light of what is true. John 3.21 says, But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Uh, what does it mean that he comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God? Uh, you, you've got to consider the, the situation of those early disciples. Uh, they were rejected by many, persecuted by Israel, and on and off by Rome. They were condemned the world over. It would be easy to wonder, am I really doing the right thing here? I mean, if everyone rejects this whole Christianity thing, maybe I've got it wrong. But as you come to Jesus again and again, we are reminded and increasingly see that, that what we do can only come from outside of us, meaning a life of faith and love cannot be generated from within. I don't have what it takes within myself to persevere. I don't have what it takes within myself to love as Jesus loved. If I do such things, it must be from God. And as I do such things, it becomes evident to me and to all that God is at work here. Now think about this. What is the hardest part of walking in the light? It's our sin being exposed. Right? Coming to Jesus means confessing sin. It means being honest uh, about who we are, about who we really are deep down when no one else is looking. But that kind of honesty is scary. Uh, what will people think? How will people respond? What will God think? Will he reject me? Will he abandon me? How honest can I really be here? Well, remember, Jesus came to save sinners, which means the greater your sin, the more it is true of you that Jesus came to save you. At one point, Jesus said, I did not come for the righteous, but to call sinners to repentance. Jesus came to save sinners. That gives us courage to be honest Whatever you've done, however bad, whether culturally acceptable or unacceptable, whether immoral or illegal, no matter what you can possibly confess, if you confess your sin, God is faithful and just to forgive your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness because of the blood of Jesus. We come to the light by walking in the truth, by living in light of what is true about our sin and about God's grace. And we do that by the power of God at work in us. So come to the light. Right? Come to the light because Jesus came to save. Be wooed to him by his love. Come to the light because human agency matters. What you do matters. Step into the light. Believe in the Lord Jesus. And come to the light by walking in the light by the power of God. Come, be honest, be open, and be forgiven by the grace and mercy of God in Christ. Let's pray.
Our Father, we thank you for the work of Jesus. Uh, We thank you that he came to seek and to save the lost. We thank you that he came for sinners to call us to repentance. Uh, We thank you that we can come to him, that we can step into the light, that we can be honest about our sin, about our brokenness, about our rebellion. And you will not reject us, that you will receive us and forgive us and call us your children. Thank you for that, Father. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.